the Bills finally get one on the Chiefs. They beat them on Sunday Night Football 38-20. Chargers versus Browns could be the game of the year. 47-42 Thriller. The Raiders fooled me. I believed in them after two games. After three games, actually. And the last two games, they let me down. They lose to the Bears. What is going on with the Raiders? Eagles versus Panthers. Panthers fooled me, too. Sam Darnold is struggling the last two weeks. Jalen Hurts gets it done for the Eagles. And in tennis, Andy Murray versus Carlos Alcaraz turns out to be a great match at the Indian Wells. And also my Indian Wells prediction for the rest of the draw. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Chiefs versus Bill turned out to be a very entertaining game. It was hyped up. Chiefs versus Bill rematch of the AFC Championship where the Chiefs thoroughly took care of the Bills. You know, this was a prove-it game for Josh Allen, who was second in MVP last year behind Aaron Rodgers, you know, who's had his fair share of criticism this year. Even though the Bills came into this game 3-1, and one, Josh Allen had some critics because he hadn't been playing that well. Um, and, you know, people that are Josh Allen fans would say, well, you know, they're they're beating the Texans 40-0. They're, they're beating, you know, the, the Washington football team thoroughly. They're, they're, they're winning these games by a lot of points. So Josh Allen does not have to you know, go out there and get all these points. He doesn't have to throw the ball everywhere, which is true. But with that contract that he got this offseason, the expectations get higher um, with all the hype around him, with all the hype around the Bills this year. You know, we just want to see your star quarterback play great week in, week out. So there's a lot of hype going into this game. There's a lot of pressure for the Bills to get a result against the Chiefs, kind of in the similar um Similar to how the Ravens had to get a win over the Chiefs, I know how Lamar had to get a victory over Patrick Mahomes. It was almost the same thing for the Bills. You know, if they really want to be the top dog in the AFC, if they want to be the number one team in the AFC, be taken as real threats for the Super Bowl, they have to beat the Chiefs. They have to get over that hump. And they did it thoroughly, I might say, 38-20 to victory. The Bills' defense showed up. Their offense showed up. And the Chiefs, they're kind of struggling. I'm not going to lie. They're kind of struggling. Uh, it kind of feels like the good teams have figured out the Chiefs. The bad teams, you know, they're still they're still getting demolished by the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They're still, you know, putting up points. Um, 20 points, you know, on a bad day, they put up 20 with terrible conditions, a lot of rain, an hour delay because of weather, you know. Turnovers, they still put up 20. You know, some other teams like the Bears, they would love to have 20. We'll touch, we'll touch on the Bears in a little bit, but the Chiefs can still put up points. But against the big teams like the Bills, like the Ravens, where they could put up points with you and your defense can't stop them, teams have figured out the Chiefs somewhat. I'm not going to say that they figured them out completely, but you know, teams have figured out that if you put two safeties in the bag, if you limit the big plays, if you limit Tyreek Hill beating you for like a 50, 60-yard touchdown pass and you make the Chiefs go down the field methodically, it, it hurts them. It, they like to, you know, they like those big plays. They like those, you know, they like to get their crowd pumped up. They like to energize themselves, get the momentum swinging in their way with the big plays. And if you're able to neutralize the big plays, the Chiefs, especially this season, have proven to, you know, shoot themselves in their foot, uh, cause some turnovers, get some drops. And Mahomes, who had five interceptions two years ago, six interceptions last year, already has six interceptions this year. And the Chiefs are struggling. They're two and three. They're fourth in their division. I believe if the playoffs started right now, they would not be in the wild card. And now they're two games behind the Chargers, who we'll touch on in a little bit. They're four and one. Chiefs are two and three. They still have the best quarterback in the division. And but that is not it's not a it's not it's not by a large large margin, especially the way Patrick Mahomes is playing. But at the very at worst, he's the second best quarterback with the way Herbert's playing, but in my opinion, he's still the best quarterback. He's still miles ahead of Carr and better than Teddy Bridgewater. So the Chiefs, you know, at worst, I think they get one of the wild card spots, but they do have to start turning it around. That defense is not is not it. That defense is not getting it done right now. Um, when the Chiefs were trying to mount a comeback, that defense could not get off the field. There was some questionable calls. There was a roughing the passer against Josh Allen that was pretty iffy. There was also some holding calls. I mean, the refs, uh, not just in this game, but in the first five weeks of the NFL, they've struggled. 
Uh, they haven't been the best. We, we need more consistent calls from the refs. Uh, we need to stop giving such soft fouls sometimes. So, you know, but I can't put this all on the Chiefs defense because the offense, the offense let them down with some turnovers. Even the special teams had a turnover in the first half that the Bills didn't capitalize on. The defense did take them out of field goal range, did move them back like 20 yards after the special teams had muffed the, muffed the kickoff and gave the ball right back to the Bills. So I wouldn't say this loss was on the Chiefs defense, like all of it, like a lot of their game, the other losses has been on their defense and some turnovers. I think this one is just a whole, like as a team, they lost. Special teams, defense, offense. Tyreek Hill not catching the ball, leading to a pick six. You know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, not taking care of the football, trying to trying to do too much sometimes. Um, even Andy Reid, not not calling the plays that would give you five yards, five yards, five yards. You know, still trying to push the ball down the field. I think that's what caused the Chiefs to lose. They need to reinvent themselves on offense. The Bills' defense were content, you know, putting two safeties in the back, giving them short passes, frustrating Tyreek, frustrating um, Kelsey, you know, frustrating all their wide receivers. So we'll see how the Chiefs bounce back. Like I said, their last place in the division, this is uncharted water for them. You know, it's always hard to lose a Super Bowl, you know, win a Super Bowl, lose a Super Bowl, and get yourself back up, you know, find that motivation, that third season to, you know, grind out a whole regular season when, you know, you don't really want to do this regular season. You kind of just want to go to the playoffs. You want to get in the dance. You want to, you know, fight for the Super Bowl already. You know your team should be should be there. This this could start getting tedious. This could start getting, you know, kind of like annoying. Like, why are we doing this again? What do we really have to do 17 games now just to get back in the dance? Like, come on, we kind of just want to get there. But you got to get there. You got to play the games. You can't just assume that you're going to make it there. I think um, they need to get Josh Gordon more involved. He had one catch. Uh, Josh Gordon, I think he's he's spectacular at getting at going up and getting contested catches. Um, I think they should you know they should attack the middle a little bit more with Josh Gordon. He's six three. He's like two twenties chiseled. They're saying he's in the best shape of his life. Obviously, this is like the first week or second week he's practiced with the Chiefs, so he might not know you know that complex playbook that the Chiefs has, but. You could tell that they're they're trying to figure out how to score more points against these defenses because, you know, they're running these crazy plays. Who's the quarterback was one of them. Uh, I think Tyreek went under center. Kelsey went under center. And then Patrick Mahomes went under center. They did end up getting a touchdown, but I, I, that could be seen as innovative, but that could also be seen as kind of like a like desperate, like, okay, like we need to come up with, we need to try to fool the defense. We need to give them a lot of eye candy before the before the snap just to get some yards like it's all it's all good it's all fun but it's getting to the point where it looks like they're getting kind of desperate like they're they need to try things outside the box like before in the season they've done the they've done like other you know eye candy before the snap where you know they look like they're not they don't know what they're doing and they've done it before but i feel like when you're winning it looks like you're just being creative you're being you're thinking outside the box when you're losing, it does give the like the impression that you know you're kind of panicking. You're kind of you know just trying to figure out what could work. But am I panicked about the Chiefs? Not really. They still have Patrick Mahomes. Um, their schedule is Washington, Titans, Giants, Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. That's that's what's next for the Chiefs. Uh, they should beat Washington. The Titans have a terrible defense too, so I think they should beat the Titans unless Darren Carey just goes like for 300 yards. The Giants. They lost Barkley, um, they lost Jones, they lost Galladay, they've lost other, you know, I think their left tackle and some uh, Slayton, or, I don't know, but the Giants are hurting too, so they should beat the Giants. Packers, that one's tough. Raiders, the Raiders just lost to the Bears, so the Chiefs should beat the Raiders. Cowboys is going to be a tough one, so, you know, I think they could get back on track, beating the Washington, beating Titans, beating the Giants. And then they have some tougher matchups. The Packers are going to be hard. They should beat the Raiders. And then the Cowboys is another test. But they they got to get it together. The Chiefs got to get it together. But enough that the Chiefs got to give the Bills some praise. Josh Allen had a great game. He didn't have that many completions, but he made those completions count. Hitting digs down the field. Hitting knocks down the field. Um, getting Emmanuel Sanders involved. Hurdling players. Just spreading the ball. Getting the ball to Moss. Getting the ball to Singletary. 
So it was it wasn't the prettiest game by Josh Allen, but it was he made every big play count and you know they rushed him too. They ran him kind of like Lamar Jackson on some designated runs, especially in the first drive. And that's impressive. It just shows you the versatility of Josh Allen. So shout out to Josh Allen. He's really come along as a quarterback. This is probably his most impressive performance of his career just because he came against the Chiefs in prime time at Arrowhead Stadium. It's just a very, very impressive victory by the Bills. Got to give him a round of applause. Got to, you know, give him a pat in the back. They now have, you know, a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger to finish the rest of the season. Play the Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts, Saints next. And, and they should be the heavy favorites against all these teams. Titans haven't looked the best. Defense is terrible. Dolphins, they still don't have Tua. Even with Tua, they don't look like they, they got it this year. Jaguars are a mess with Urban Meyer and all his fiasco. They're, they still don't have a win. The Jets, you know, the Jets are the Jets. Colts haven't looked that good this season either. The Saints have been middle of the pack. So, you know, the Bills could really stack up wins right now. Titans, Dolphins, Jaguars, Jets, Colts, Saints. They should go 6-0, and maybe 5-1. and um, But the Bills, the Bills are for reals. You got to take the Bills into consideration for Super Bowl contenders. And Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen still haven't connected like they did last year. They might not do it again just because um, they have more weapons now. Knox is coming along. Moss and Singletary are getting, you know, catches. Emmanuel Sanders takes a lot of pressure off of, um, out of, you know, that connection, out of uh, Stephon Diggs. It takes a lot of, you know, looks and targets, but I think they still need to click. So I think the Bills still have another level they could get to. So they're going to be very dangerous. And overall, just impressive victory by the Bills on Sunday Night Football. The Chargers and the Browns. Played an amazing match on Sunday. 47-42 victory by the Chargers. The Chargers are legit. Herbert is legit. Staley is legit. That stadium is legit. The Chargers look like they're for reals. They look like they're the second best team in the AFC right now behind the Bills. Um, they could easily be 5-0. I actually went to the Cowboys versus Charger game. And that game teetered on some fouls, on some illegal shifts, and, and some, you know, what was the other one? It was an intentional grounding that was kind of iffy, too. That game teetered on some fouls that could have gone either way. So the Chargers could easily be 5-0, and undefeated, you know, top of the AFC. But they're 4-1, tied with the Bills for the lead in the in the AFC. And Justin Herbert's playing like the best quarterback in the league. Uh, he's playing like out of his mind for his just being his second season. He's just completely taking the league by storm. He looks composed. He looks like nothing rattles him. He throws under pressure. Um, he, he's not afraid of the moment. He, he just looks like a 10-year veteran in his second season. So Justin Herbert, if you guys have not catch, caught a Charger game, I'm telling you now, these Chargers are frills and they're fun. They have Mike Williams. They have Eckler. They have Keenan Allen. They have, you know, even Cook, the tight end. He's He's been, you know, doing his thing. The Chargers are for reals, and it's time to take them seriously. They beat the Browns. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Raiders. They Tough loss against the Cowboys. The Chargers are tough, man, and this game was super impressive. The Browns came in with you know one of the, be- one of the better defenses in the league, and they just went up and down on the field. Uh, in the first half, it was a little harder, but in the second half, they got going, and Staley, he just keeps showing that he has, you know, just a massive, you know, set on him because he just he doesn't care where the down and what the down and distance is he just analyzes the scenario you know the time the the game that's going on he just knows when to go for it on fourth down when to when to not go for it and for the most part he calls perfect plays he lets his offensive coordinator call perfect plays and the chargers are legit on fourth down i think it puts a lot of pressure on the defense knowing that the chargers could go for it on any down like uh, Obviously, for defenses, is one of the best feelings for them is getting a stop on third down. You feel great. You know, you start putting up the floor. You're getting off the field. You're going to go get some air. You're going to go get some oxygen. You're going to get some Gatorade. You're going to be able to, you know, sit down for a little bit. But if you're playing the Chargers, that's that's not the case. They've proven almost every game this season that they'll go for it on fourth down at least two to three times a game, if not more. 
And man, I just it, it just puts pressure on the defense. I think it energizes the whole team knowing that your coach believes in you that much that's going to back you up that he's going to call the right play that he's going to have his offensive coordinator call the right play so the chargers they have in my opinion right now they have the best quarterback they have the quarterback that's playing the best in the league right now in justin herbert they have the best wide receiver duo in mike williams and keenan allen they have one of the better running backs in eckler and uh derwin james is still healthy bosa is doing his thing the Chargers are dangerous. You got to take the Chargers into consideration when you're thinking about real contenders. They play the Ravens next week. If they beat the Ravens, then, man, they'll have victories against the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Browns, and they're going to really position themselves to, you know, even contend for that number one seed in the AFC, which would have been crazy if I told a lot of people. A lot of people had the Chargers as contenders, as playoff as playoff contenders, you know, a wild card second uh, in the AFC West behind the Chiefs. But now they, they could push for that number one seed in the playoffs. But this match overall, it was just very impressive. Um, back and forth, exciting game. And it just uh, teetered. It was a roller coaster of emotions. Chargers going up, Chargers making a comeback. Browns taking the lead again. Chargers coming back, tying the game. Browns taking the lead. Chargers come and you think they're going to tie it. The kicker misses another extra point, and you're just like, wow, the Chargers are just doing Charger things. You know, they're breaking Charger fans' heart. You know, it's you, you kind of feel for Charger fans. You kind of want to make fun of them. It's like the craziest thing. Like, you can't believe that the Chargers are going to, you know, bust a Charger again. But this time it's different because they have Justin Herbert, and he drives them down the field, gets another touchdown, and then the defense holds against the Browns. And uh, two two key points in the game, pass interference, um, that was called in favor of the Chargers. I know Brown fans are, you know, irate. They they were clearly mad. I saw them on Twitter. They're complaining. They're like, "This match is fixed. This match is fixed. Like anything that happens after this does not count. This match is fixed. There should be an investigation." And I get it, man. When you're rooting for your team and um, the refs miss a call like that. You think it's you know the end of the world. You think the NFL is conspiring against you. But I think I could safely say that you know the refs are just that bad. The refs have been terrible this season, and I can promise you that they're not. They're not. Um, they're not just picking on your team, or maybe they are, and I'm just you know blind to it. But from all the games that I've seen this season, and you know they've been, I've pretty much watched all of them or most of them. I could tell you that the refs, the refs are just bad. And, you know, thankfully I'm not in the league, so I won't get fined. But I could openly say that the the refs has just been atrocious this season for the most part. And, you know, that should have that should have not been a pass interference. But it is what it is. You know, you get some, you lose some. You'll probably get some. It'll, it'll probably even out by the end of the season. You'll get a call in your favor that, you know, really changes the balance of a game further down the line. So I'm, I know it sucks to say it, but it is what it is. This league is needs to, you know, teach their refs better, have some repercussions. But for as for as for right now, this is just how it is. So <laughs> I feel for you Brown fans, but I could tell you that the Chargers, you know, they've gotten some calls against them. There's the Vikings, the Lions, there's there, wherever you look in the league, for the most part, unless you're the Bucks, now I'm just playing or Brady, uh, for the most part, you're gonna get, you know, some bullshit call against you. And that's just the way it is. There's refs needs to get trained better, but that's the number one point I wanted to. That's one of the points that I wanted to talk, um, touch on. The other one that I noticed a lot of Brown fans were upset. Um, third and ten, the Browns were up by one point because the Chargers missed their extra point, and they had thrown on second and second and ten incomplete pass. Third and ten, what are the Browns going to do? You think uh, Stefanski is is he going to run it? play it safe, try to run out a little bit more clock, or is he going to put the ball in Baker's hand and let him throw for the first down, which would essentially ice the game. You're going to have to waste the Chargers' timeouts. You're going to be able to run the clock down even more. And the way your offense has looked, it's pretty much, you know, checkmate. Browns are going to walk out with the one-point victory at SoFi Stadium. They're going to go back to Cleveland and enjoy this massive victory against, you know, the Chargers. Third and ten. What are you gonna do, Stefanski? What are you gonna do? 
and he decides to run hunt and they they don't get the first down they punt it back to the chargers and yeah the browns have a good defense but as it was shown in all the games especially the second half the chargers had no issues driving down the field and scoring on the defense and that's exactly what happened the chargers get the ball and they drive it down the field and eckler gets a touchdown browns push him in but that's the call that a lot of brown fans were upset with stefanski with their offense with the offense coordinator why did they not let baker mayfield throw on third and ten and i think it's in my, I, I tweeted it. I replied to one of the tweets. I think it was uh, Nick Wright that t- tweeted. I replied to it. I was like, it just goes to show, or it shows um, something about the belief that they have in Baker Mayfield or what they think of Baker Mayfield. And I think it's true. I think if the Browns have, you know, I'm not even going to say like a lot of quarterbacks or like the top five quarterbacks, even like maybe even the Vikings with Kirk Cousins, I think they would have gone for it. it. The way with that script, with the way the game has gone, understanding that the Chargers, if you give the ball back to the Chargers, all they need is a field goal for the victory. Even though their kicker had, you know, messed up in the game, all they need is to get like 30 yards after the punt and they'll be in field goal range. Understanding that, understanding how your defense has, you know, not been able to stop him all second half and the Chargers have came back and they kind of have, they were kind of going to have the momentum um, till they missed the extra point. You got to put it on, you got to give it to your quarterback. You got to let him throw. You got to let him get that first down. And they didn't, they ran it with Kareem Hunt. They they didn't get the 10 yards and they had to punt it back to Herbert. So I think, I think that does goes, I think some people are, you know, they're trying to, you know, defer. They're trying to say deflect. They're trying to say that that doesn't mean anything. That is, is just, you know, they were trying to run out the clock. But I think I think it does mean something. I think if you have a better quarterback, if you have even even like a Carson Wentz, I'm pretty sure they would have let Carson Wentz go for it. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz is better than Baker is better better than Baker Mayfield. But I don't know. I think they're still coddling um, Baker Mayfield. Um, I said it when they played the Chiefs on that drive, where they had to go get a touchdown at the end of the game, and they ran a draw play to Kareem Hunt. I kind of. I kind of got the same sentiment at that point where it's like, why are you running a draw play when, you know, you got to go down the field and get like, it's not the worst call, but I think you just got to start chucking it down the field and let your quarterback make some plays. But I think that, I think I read some something into that too. And now I think I read some, I read between the lines in this one too. And maybe I'm doing too much reading between the lines, but that's just the impression that I got. I think the Browns, Still don't trust Baker Mayfield with the game on the line. Third and ten, we need this first down to to you know wrap up this victory. Let's get let's go home. Let's let's go back to Cleveland and you know forget about this one. We will squeak out a one point victory against the Chargers. But they were content with running Hunt. It didn't work out, and Justin Herbert got the ball and drove them down the field. Got the victory for the Chargers. It is what it is. Um, the Browns, the Browns, you know they're still probably gonna make the playoffs. Um, their schedule is, you know, it's getting a little tougher, but they should still make the playoffs. The Chargers are in contention for the number one seed. These two teams might meet in the playoffs again, and it would be a fantastic matchup. It's incredible, incredible match. If you guys did not watch it, make sure to watch the highlights. But that's all I have for this match. If you did not catch this, you guys got to watch this. But overall, game of the year candidate, the Chargers are frills. The Browns, they look like they're frills too. Um, they just need better play. They need to trust Baker Mayfield. Just they got to see what they have in him. You know, third and ten game on the line. You got to figure out what Baker Mayfield is made of. Put the ball in his hand. If he messes up, then you know you get to evaluate him. You got to evaluate him. You got to evaluate him in these situations. The Raiders fooled me after starting three and zero, beating the Ravens, beating the Steelers. They lose to the Chargers. They lose to the Bears. They are now three and two. They lose twenty to nine in a very ugly, ugly game. You know they were playing at the same time as the Chargers and Browns, and the Chargers and Browns were putting up fireworks. It was entertaining. It was an amazing matchup, back and forth. Everybody was talking about it. Twitter was blowing up. It was you know one of the most entertaining games of the season, and at the same time, the Raiders and the Bears were playing a snooze fest, a boring game with penalties, with a lot of. You know, punting, bad drives, bad offense, bad O-line play. 
it was just a very, very uninterested, boring, lackadaisical, any word that you want to think of. It was just a lethargic display of NFL football. <laughs> More boring than even the Jets versus the Falcons. I know some people had some jokes that, you know, you're English, you're trying to see some good football, and they send the Jets and the Falcons. That game was way more interesting than the Raiders versus Bears. It's a snooze fest. The Bears won with 100 yard, 109 yards passing and 143 rushing yards. And that's all they needed. You know, they ran, they ran the ball on the Raiders. They played good defense. And the Raiders just never woke up. It was, it was more of the same as the first half versus the Chargers last week. Um, I think teams figured them out. You got to stop Waller and the, the, the other playmakers are not going to get the job done. Henry Ruggs, it kind of looked like he was trying to, you know, become a number one wide receiver this year, but he's not there yet. He can't carry an offense. He can't, you know, separate himself. He can't, you know, be a consistent target for Derek Carr. Brian Edwards, drop and drops. Hunter Renfro, he, you know, he's he's a good, like, number three, number four wide receiver. He can't really change the game. Um, he's a nice piece. Don't get me wrong. He's a good quality wide receiver, but... When the Bears, you know, are playing good defense and you need a wide receiver to take over, they don't have that guy. They don't have that guy on the team. They need a number one wide receiver to open up the playbook to, you know, free up um, Darren Waller because teams have figured out the Raiders. You stop Darren Waller, you pretty much stop the, the Raiders' offense. The running game was not non-existent, and Derek Carr could not elevate the team. Um, he had a couple throws that he missed. Um, the interception, uh, he kind of put too much air on it. I think if he if he hits it on a line drive, I think he connects with them. And I think Derek Carr kind of struggles um, throwing on the run, which is crazy because he used to be pretty good at that, in my opinion. Interception came on the run, uh, down eight in the second half, 17 to nine. Raiders have the ball, fourth down. Derek Carr steps up into pocket. It's not the easiest of throw, but it's a throw that he should make. Wide receivers breaking down the middle. There's a decent enough window for him to, you know, just put the ball there, give him a chance at least. And he overshoots him, doesn't give his wide receiver a chance. Turnover and downs. Bears kick another field goal. It's it's game over. And Raiders, Raiders lose. And it's, it's just disappointing because, you know, they look good against the Ravens. They look good against the Steelers. They look good against the Chargers in the second half. But... This was more or less the same as the first half versus the Chargers. They could just not get nothing going. And, you know, Chucky had that, you know, that that drama going on this weekend. Um, and he kind of addressed it. But I think it, it might have had a, an impact with the, with the team. It's hard to say that you can't. John Gruden did apologize. He did, you know own up to it he said you know he shouldn't have done that but there's not a racist bone in his body he he wants to lead everyone together as a team so you know he's saying all the right things we'll see how the league deals with that but you got to imagine that that had an impact on the team but other than that um i can't put all of you know their lackluster play on that event just because like i said they came out flat against the chargers last week they came out flat against this this week we'll see how they do next week for the for the bears i still don't believe in the bears they're three and two now but i don't believe in naggy uh, i think he's he's not the guy for the bears in my opinion uh, we'll see how justin field progresses this was not like a pretty game by any means but you know he gets the victory three and two he got hurt a little bit he came back he showed toughness good for justin fields but the raiders i'm not done with the raiders they play the Broncos next week, and I think if they lose to the Broncos, you could stick a fork in the Raiders. You know, we'll just, it'll just be one of those, uh, another season where the Raiders kind of fool people at the beginning of the season. They start off hot. They get some impressive victories. You're, you're, you're starting to get comfortable. You're starting to believe in them. You're starting to, you know, really say, like, start to believe in John Gruden, too. You're like, oh, is this the year? Is it like, is this, is this, are we feeling, are you guys feeling this? Is are you guys seeing like you know the pieces are falling together he's finally you know building his team he's finally completing his roster he's his vision is coming together you you start to get a little excited and you think this project that john gruden has started is heading in the right direction 
Raider fans get louder. You start hearing Raider fans, you know, getting hyped, talking about how they're back. And, you know, they even caught me in that whole, you know, in that whole energy and that whole, you know, aura. I was, I got caught up in it too. But now losing to the Bears, which I really don't rate the Bears. They have a good defense. Their offense is terrible. They're Watching the Bears on offense is more excruciating than watching paint dry and for the Raiders to lose to the Bears at home in Vegas ugly 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 loss by the Raiders and uh the Broncos they lost this week but they played the Steelers tough so they're gonna be a tough matchup for the Raiders and if they play like they did this week against the Bears I would not be surprised if the Raiders lose to the Broncos and if you lose to the Broncos you're 0-2 in the division and you still haven't played the Chiefs and you got to play the Chargers again and it's just like you're you're way too behind on that eight ball at that point, and you could you could pretty much stick a fork on the Raiders if they lose to the Broncos, in my opinion, because you know all the talk after the three and zero victory was, you know, we're going to the playoffs. Like this is it. This is the year we're going to the playoffs. If they lose to the Broncos, at best, at best, they'll get the seventh the seventh spot. But it, I think it'll just be demoralizing like winning three to start the season and losing three straight. So for the Raiders' sake, they got to come out strong against the Broncos. They got to win. They got to win. Uh, I think uh, the same could be said about the Broncos. They started 3-0. and They've lost their last two. I think it's it's the same. It's more along the same lines. Like if, if the Broncos lose, losing three straight after winning three, which is, it'll be killer for the team. But overall, the Raiders just... I feel like I got bamboozled. I feel like they fooled me. I believe them after three weeks. I was, you know, I, I even gave them a little shout out. I was saying that going into the Chiefs game at week nine, the way their schedule was setting up, they should be like seven and two, six and two, whatever, whatever week they play. If they play week eight, it, six and two, seven and two, something like that. I, I was believing in the Raiders. I, I I looked at their schedule and, you know, they should beat these teams and the Bears one of the teams that they should be the chargers was the team that i was like okay if you lose it's the chargers they look like the chargers have been looking good it's not the end of the world but the bears good teams beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and the raiders lost to the bears so i am almost out on the raiders if they lose to the broncos next week i will be completely out on them the eagles defeat the panthers 21 to 18 the eagles offense was dead for almost three quarters the panthers defense was imposing themselves but that Panthers offense could not take advantage of it. Um, they could never really extend the lead past two possessions. And at the end of the third quarter, you know, Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense woke up, got a touchdown, made the game interesting. And I got to give Jalen Hurts for not, not, you know, not putting his head down, not giving up on himself, you know, just, you know, stay with the game plan, keep going. I have him in like three fantasy leagues. So I was, it was excruciating watching like keeping up with this game, watching this game, because it was like, man, what's going on with the Eagles? Jalen Hurts is giving me like three points in three quarters. It's looking bad. And like, he's going to cost me all these victories. But to my surprise, the Panthers could never, or to my, you know, satisfaction, I was, I was just happy that the Panthers were not, you know, taking that big of a lead. So it would keep the Eagles, you know, motivated or they wouldn't pull their starters. Because it, it looked, it looked ugly for the Eagles. Like they could not get nothing going and uh I, I do gotta say that Sam Darnold kept the Eagles in the game he had three interceptions this game he did not look good he looked inaccurate he missed wide receivers he missed his running backs he missed his tight ends it was a bad game by Sam Darnold the worst game of of his of his career with uh with the Panthers the worst game this season and he basically kept the Eagles in it and he kind of gave them the game with that last interception he has five interceptions in the last two games after having won in the first three games is just it's bad six touchdowns six interception for the season now uh i like i like sam donald i wanted to believe in him uh, i i said that the panthers were going to make the playoffs before the season started i said sam donald you know could be most improved or you know comeback player of the year whatever you want to say he could have a bounce back year he could get that extension with the panthers but these last two games, man, it's been tough for Sam Darnold. I would not be surprised if the Panthers, you know, are looking, are, are already, you know, sending their scouts out <laughs> to see that. Although the QB class for next year doesn't look too, too strong. But Sam Darnold, man, after impressive, impressive showings against the Jets, the Saints, and the Texans, not the best competition, but he looks solid. 
He was slinging the ball, going over 300 yards, looking like he had the offense under control, looking like, you know, his confidence was up, looking like, you know, that offensive coordinator had fixed him. It looked like a whole new Sam Darnold. And these last two games against the Cowboys, against the Eagles, it looks like he's regressed to the Jets, Sam Darnold's. And I'm still a Sam Donald fan. I kind of I want to see him succeed. So you know, hopefully he's able to bounce back. But like Sam Donald, you gotta you gotta get you gotta show something, man. The Panthers have a decent amount of weapons. I know McCaffrey's not there, but you still got you know Roby Anderson. You still have more. You you got Hubbard is not bad. He went over 100 yards rushing. Like you gotta show more, man. He's young. He's younger than Burrow. That's something I always gotta push. Like. I know he's been in the league for a while, but he is younger than Burrow. But like you see Burrow play, crazy game against the Packers um, today. But you see Burrow play, and yeah, he makes mistakes. But you could see the leadership. You could see that he's like a franchise quarterback. I just want Sam Darnold to you know, just take it by the reins, man. And today against the Eagles, you know the Eagles aren't not you know one of the better defenses. They're not one of the better teams in the league. And the way the Eagles' offense was playing. At the beginning of the game, it should have been Sam Darnold, you know, just, you know, choke him out. Just don't give him a chance. Like, defense was playing great. The, the Eagles could not get nothing going. If the offense would have done, you know, just something, it would have been demoralizing for the Eagles. It would have put the game out of reach. But Sam Darnold and that offense could not get anything going. Let the Eagles, you know, linger around. And they paid for it at the end of, at the, end of the game. Panthers are 3-2 and two now. We'll see how they finish, but man, Sam Darnold let me down. Jalen Hurts impressed me that last quarter and a half. Good job for Jalen Hurts. You know he couldn't really run today. Um, that defense, you know, kept them under control, kept them behind the line of scrimmage, didn't let him scramble. But he got the job done. Shout out to the Eagles defense for coming up big. But I think it had more to do with Sam Darnold just seeing ghosts. He was seeing ghosts again, like last year. Or when he said it, when they played the Patriots, he was seeing ghosts again. He's seeing ghosts the last two weeks. Hopefully he doesn't see too many more ghosts the rest of the season. But good job for the Eagles. They're 2-3 and three now. Panthers, they fall to 3-2. and two. They're starting to look kind of like the Raiders. They're starting to look like it was a fluke. That hot start was a fluke, but we'll see. I still think they, they should make the playoffs. I, w- I want the Panthers to make the playoffs. I, like They have some quality players that you can root for easily like Moore and McCaffrey even Sam Darnold but like I said these last two weeks they've looked like pretenders and we'll see if Sam Darnold is able to turn it around let me know what you guys think you guys think Sam Darnold could turn it around the rest of the season or is is this who Sam Darnold is six touchdowns six interceptions I think his career stats he's like 57 touchdowns and like three or four less interceptions it kind of looks like that's the guy that he is like just hovering around a one-to-one ratio, but hopefully that's not it and he's able to turn it around. The Indian Wells Open is going it's going well. It's good tennis. We've been seeing a lot of quality tennis. And one of the matches I was very excited to watch, Andy Murray versus Carlos Alcaraz. Andy Murray beats the Wonder, Wonder Boy Carlos Alcaraz in a three-set thriller. Exciting match. Great stuff by Andy Murray. You know, he lost the first... He lost the first set to Alcaraz, 5-7, after having a 4-1 lead, 4-1 game lead. You know, he kind of choked that away, and good job by Alcaraz fighting back, winning that first set. And honestly, after seeing Andy Murray kind of lose his composure against Casper Ruud in the San Diego Open, where in the second set, he kind of, it looked like he wasn't trying. It looked like he kind of, like, let the defeat of the first set gets his head even the commentators are saying like is something wrong with andy murray why is why is he, why does it look like he's kind of defeated he's not moving the same he's not you know playing the points as he was in the first set and to andy murray's credit he, he finished that second set against casparud and the san diego open in a be- way better fashion he made it competitive you know it looked like he might even win that second set and force a third set but i thought he was gonna you know get down on himself again at the Indian Wells, after having a four-one, four-to-one game lead in the first set, and losing it five-to-seven, I thought that could be in the cards. Where Andy Murray just, you know, you know, kind of punishes himself. It's not there kind of mentally. It just kind of checks out for a little bit. And in tennis, that's all you need. If you check out for like 
one or two games like that's it like you you get broken and it's hard it's, it's so hard to you know get that break back and it's just tough so i was kind of worried watching the match i was like how's murray gonna react to losing the first set and he he showed up he he responded like the former number one player that he is winning 6-3 the second set winning the third deciding set 6-2 and just looking like kind of like the old andy murray he had great court coverage um he was able to you know win those long rallies he was able to play you know great tennis and it was exciting to see him play at that level and i'm rooting for andy murray man it's always great to see andy murray playing at a great level he's one of the class dudes on tour you know everyone likes andy murray for the most part even like a player like like uh curios always has good things to say about andy murray and speaking of curios it was great to see andy murray do the underhand um serve i know some people at indian wells that were there on court one booed him and they don't like i know there's you know some people that are maybe even most of the people that don't like that i think it's like unsportsmanlike conduct or it goes against you know the, the code of tennis unwritten rules but in my opinion you know it's it's fun it's entertaining it's it's not illegal if if your opponent is like five yards behind the baseline why not do an underhand throw and like you know push him a little bit inside it's a, it's a good tactic um obviously it's a good tactic if if you have a good server, you know, and you want to, you know, give yourself a little more time to return the serve, like obviously you're gonna, um, you know, stand behind the line like a good four or five meters. Nothing wrong with that, but there's there should also be nothing wrong with the the person serving, hitting an underhand, you know, punishing you for being so far back. I don't know. I don't get some tennis purists or some traditional tennis fans that think it's a terrible thing to do andy murray defended it afterwards he said it was like a smart tactic i completely agree i think uh, it's part of the game i never really frowned when curios did it i applaud andy murray for doing it i like how the commentator said that it, it was brilliant it's brilliant by andy murray so I'm, I'm on that crowd i think it's a obviously you can't be doing that all the time because you could get you know it's not a tactic that you'll use all the time but great situation to get the game andy murray like it's it's crazy that he did it it was it was fun it was, it, it was like a wow moment you know tennis channel tennis tv everyone shared that everyone was sharing that clip of andy murray i think it's fun man it's good it's good tv it's good entertainment shout out to andy murray for you know bringing some entertainment to the tennis court and i think it's all it's all good i, I don't see a problem with it i i like it but back to murray uh, you know, to defeat Alcaraz, who made it to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open, who's regarded as one of the players that's going to be, you know, challenging for Grand Slams. Uh, he's going to be, you know, taking the reins uh, as one of the, you know, elite key marquee players in the tennis, in the tennis world. To defeat a guy like that with a lot of energy, with, you know, a, a lot of spirits. He, he looks like he belongs already. For Andy Murray to be a player of that quality, with that speed, with that energy... I think it just goes, it's going to give Murray a lot of confidence in his comeback. It's going to give him a lot of confidence to, you know, go deep in this. Even in Indian Wells, he has Severev next. You know, Severev is going to be the heavy favorite, but I like what I like what I'm seeing from Murray lately. You know, he beat Alcaraz. Uh, in my opinion, he should have been, he should have beaten Tsitsipas in the U.S. Open. He had uh, a competitive match against Rude in the San Diego Open. I think Murray has looked pretty good pretty decent he has his court coverage is getting better he's moving pretty good he has a metal hip and he's running all over the court he's he still has you know he plays good defensive tennis his serves are are you know he, he could get them going i like what i'm seeing from andy murray i, I hope he goes deep in this tournament obviously he has Severev uh next so that's going to be hard it's going to be a tough draw Severev um is one of the quality players on tour and i think uh Zverev has the chance to go all the way so it's gonna be a tough matchup by for Andy Murray but overall quality quality win versus Carlos Acres especially after dropping the first set and being for up 4-1 at, at some point in the first set losing that first set and you know being mentally there being physically there to pull out the victory just very impressive stuff by Andy Murray and I think this is just another chapter in Andy Murray's comeback and 
this gives me hope that we're going to be able to enjoy Andy Murray for the, you know, the next two, three years. And hopefully, you know, he's able to go far into these tournaments and I'm going to be, I'm super excited to see him against Varif. But let me know what you guys think. What do you guys think about this match? What did you guys think about that underhand serve? Was it wrong? Is it right? Should people stop tripping or are they, are are they right? Like, should that not be a thing in tennis? But we are down to the last 32 at the Indian Wells Open. Um, a lot of great tennis so far. I was going to do a predictions before the whole tournament, but I didn't have time. My back was killing me again. So, you know, I was playing it easy. I was, you know, taking care of my back, doing all this other stuff. But the round 32 is here. A lot of the main characters are still here. Unfortunately, my boy Felix is gone. But, you know, all the for the most part, all the top draws are still there. And my prediction for the semifinals, uh, I hopefully, I want to see a Tsitsipas versus Severev rematch. Um, they played in the semifinals at the Cincinnati Open, and it was a great match. That was a match where Tsitsipas went to the bathroom, and Severev and his team accused him of cheating. And then he did it again at the U.S. Open, and Andy Murray... Um, called them out on it too and Opelka has talked about it everyone's basically given their point of view on this whole Tsitsipas bathroom thing and it kind of picked up steam at the Cincinnati Open during the semifinal match versus Zverev and Tsitsipas and that match was amazing Zverev um coming back I think he had uh he fended off match points like a lot of match points a lot of set points and he, he beat Tsitsipas. I think he was down 4-1 or 5-1 in the deciding set. And he came back and won. So I'm looking forward to that. I think Tsitsipas versus Severev in the semifinals should be amazing, like a, a great, great match. I'm kind of low-key rooting for Andy Murray to pull off the upset in the round of 32 against Ferev. But I just don't. I want to see it happen. I want the upset to happen. But I just don't. I can't, you know, get myself to really see him being Sverev. Zverev is just probably playing one of the best tennis in his career. Uh, great match against Brooksby. And last time we saw him at a Grand Slam, he had an amazing match against Djokovic. So I think he I think he gets there. I think he gets to the semifinals. And for Tsitsipas, you know, he's going up against Fognini. And after that, he should play the winner of Garin versus Deminar. And after that, you know, it'll be someone between Ramos, Vinolas, Basilashvili, uh, Kachanov, and Karina Busta. So I think Tsitsipas is clearly the best player out of all those eight on his side. So I think Severev has it a little bit harder playing Murray and probably, you know, Monfils and Sinner or Berrettini. So that side is, is way harder. I could see Zverev slipping up against, you know, Monfils or Sinner or Berrettini. But I think Zverev has it in him to get to the semifinals and just set up a great rematch versus Tsitsipas. And on the other side of the draw, there's a lot of good players too, a lot of good matchups in the round of 32. Uh, Medvedev has been amazing. Uh, his court coverage has been second to none. He he is playing some ridiculous tennis right now. He looks like he could possibly, you know, steal that number one position from Djokovic. Um, he should, you know, I think he should coast not coast but he should get to the semifinals on his side um opelka or dimitrov you know i saw dimitrov play at the san diego open i'm I'm hoping you know he can get back to that uh top 10 or top five that he used to be opelka the highest ranked u.s player um surf bot so they're gonna be hard but i think medvedev should take care of either both of them shapovalov or karatsev we'll see who wins Tiafo versus Hercats. I think that's going to be a great match too. But I can't see any of these guys beating uh, Medvedev just right now. Obviously, I want to see some great tennis. Um, but I just can't see any of these guys beating it. Maybe Shapovalov if he gets, if he catches, you know, form and gets into, you know, Wimbledon form. But I, I don't think he's going to get to that level right now. He's just not playing that consistently. He's kind of erratic right now. And uh, on the other side... Uh, I think Rublev is going to get a rematch against Nori. I saw them in the San Diego Open too. Nori beat him in the semifinals. So I think it looks like they're going to set up a, a 
uh, rematch if Nori could beat Batista, Augusto, and Schwartzman versus Evans, Harris, Rude. Rude is playing some great tennis too, so I would not be surprised if he gets to the semifinals. But overall, I think Medvedev gets to the semifinals versus either Rude or Rublev. Rublev versus Rude should be a great matchup in my opinion. I think those are the two stronger ones from that side of the draw. But I think Rublev is going to he's gonna get his bois going. And I think there's going to be a rematch of this Cincinnati Open. So I think Medvedev versus Rublev is my semifinal prediction with Medvedev going up against Rublev. And I think that would be just a great, a great, great uh, final. Medvedev versus um, Severev. I kind of wanted to see that the U.S. Open, but um, Djokovic was able to beat Severev. And, uh, yeah, I just I think it would be a great matchup. And I think Medvedev would win. Unfortunately for me, as this, this very fan, Medvedev is just, he's playing too good of a tennis right now. He's, I think he's the heavy favorite, and I think he's going to pull it off. He's just unorthodox tennis, but it, it's getting the job done. He's he's just, you know, hitting all the right angles. He's moving amazing for such for a guy with such height. He's like, every time I watch him play, I'm like, how is this man getting to this boss? How is he able to move so swiftly and so agilely like come on man like this guy should not be able to move like that uh, if he serves this good if he if he hits the ball this good there should be some drawback but there's none he, he's just playing just really amazing tennis right now so gotta give Medvedev his his props as a as a Tiafo fan I kind of want to see him upset her cast and go a little bit deeper I think uh, Tiafo versus Shapovalov would be fireworks but we'll see overall Indian Wells has been amazing. They're playing tennis and, you know, tennis paradise has been great. Um, a lot of great games, a lot of great shots. That Tiafo um, shot against Korda was ridiculous. Um, like I said earlier, uh, Murray versus Alcaraz was a great match too. Um, it's, it's just been a great tournament. I love tennis, man. I, I'm, I'm excited for the rest of this tournament. Uh, Indian Wells has lived up. The BMP Paribas Open has lived up. Uh, what a great tournament so far. Let me know um, who you guys think are, is going to make it to the final. Who do you guys think is going to win it? And if you guys have been enjoying this tournament, because as far as myself, I think it's been a great tournament. It's been a lot of fun, and I can't see, I can't wait to see these round of 32 matches. I think all, almost all of these round, round of 32 matches are quality. It's going to be good tennis. It's going to be, you know, fun, entertaining. So make sure to, you know, subscribe to Tennis TV or find a stream, you know, you didn't hear it from here, but just find a stream somewhere, get Tennis TV, watch these games because it's going to be amazing. But that should do it for episode 68 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. A great week of NFL football. Great start to the um, BNP Paribas Open. And, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. And I'll see you guys soon. Have a great rest of your day.